who used to be a bullfrog and had some mighty fine wine, but he sobered up, went to AA, and has written a book that we're going to look at this morning, Jeremiah 18. Three weeks ago, we talked about a bump in the road. We talked about destiny and legacy. We talked about trying to do the right thing and feeling like everything you try to do, you mess up, you drop the ball, whatever. And that God, when he called you, according to Romans 11 and 29, the gifts and the callings of God are awesome and they are without repentance. That means that when you were in your mother's womb, God shaped you, purposed you, put life in you, has a purpose and a plan for you, and knew that when he created you, he knew that when he conceived you, there would be a bump in the road. And maybe that bump was divorce. Maybe that bump was doubt. Maybe that bump was debt. Maybe that bump was time in prison. Maybe that that bump was abusive alcohol or drugs or just an abusive relationship. God knew all that, and he still called you. And he still has a purpose and has a plan for you. It's never too late to find the purpose and plan of God. And in this house, we come to learn what God's purpose and plan is for our life. Two weeks ago, we talked about God knows exactly where you are, and God calls you a mighty man or a mighty woman of power. He said, Gideon, thou art a mighty man of valor. Gideon did not feel like a mighty man. He was struggling with his money, struggling with his life, struggling with every area of his life. There was a, he had kind of gotten a rut. The people of God were being oppressed because of disobedience. But God told Gideon, I'm going to use you. I've got a purpose. I've got a plan for your life. And then last week, we talked about building a cloud. When you understand the spreading of the clouds, according to Job 36, and the noise of his tabernacle, we realize that at this very moment, there are, there's a number that no man can number in heaven that are praising and worshiping God, and it creates a cloud, and God allows that cloud to fall upon us, and we get wrapped up in his blessings and his favor and his honor. And then as we begin to build clouds, praise and worship changes the circumstances in our life. That song that says, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams. Anybody relate? And your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. There is an enemy. He's a liar. He's out to hurt you. He's out to destroy you. But the song says, don't let the urge within you seem to disappear. Just praise the Lord. Why? He can work through those who praise him for our God inhabits praise. This morning, just for a few minutes, I'd like to visit the word new. I'd like to visit the word new. Uh, this past Christmas, several of us uh, received things that were new. And some of us received things that were brand new. Now, I don't know the difference between new or brand new. To me, new is new. But some of us, this, this, this month, last month, we unwrapped packages that for us that were new. And for a few minutes today, we're going to look at some of the new things that God has promised us. And with that word new, I like to attach the word renew. When I think of the word renew, I think about God taking something that's not new and making it new. We talked two weeks ago about our first love. I don't know if you can actually remember. There's a song that says, and I think Rhonda's mom, let me be careful here, 
I think Rhonda's mom in her testimony shared her testimony and was it Vep Ellis that heard the testimony and wrote a song to it that actually made it to the red hymnal, which is a big deal in the church world. And the song says, I can take you to the place. I can tell you the time. I can show you. I can't explain how or why, but I can show you where God came upon my life and made me brand new. I don't know if you can go back how far that would have been. How many this morning you can actually remember that moment? I'm not talking about as a child in youth camp, but I'm talking about as an adult later in life and as you turn your back on sin and towards the things of God. How many can remember that actually moment when you asked Christ to come into your heart and he did? Can anybody, how many remember that? How many you can't remember? I can't, I can't remember that. How many you're not going to lift your hand no matter what question I ask today? That's where you're rolling this morning. That's, that's fine. But, but I'm, I'm pleased to tell you I can take you to the very place where God came. And uh, I was a messed up puppy, and there were a lot of bad things going on. There were a lot of things in my life that was out of order. Matter of fact, when I left that, that Sunday night meeting, a little gray-haired grandmother came and got me. It led me to an altar, and it was one of those churches a lot like this. The power of God was moving. It was a great church, and, and lives were being changed. And that night, I made a vow to God and uh, kept it 36 years, 37 years. The first Sunday in February, I'll be 37 years old in the Lord. Pretty young. People say, how old are you? I'm 37. I can get away with it. If I were to dye my hair, I could actually get away with it. But I can take you to that place, and I can tell you what God did. When I left that, that altar service and went home, there was four guys at my house, and there was a big glass table on a piece of petrified wood. It was a real nice piece of furniture. And uh, they had dumped a bunch of cocaine, and they were chopping, and they were snorting, and some were shooting. And I walked into the house and said, I've given my heart to God tonight, and I don't want any more drugs in my house. I left that room and went to every room of the house and in that day we old-time Pentecostals we pled the blood how many members pleading the blood of Jesus thank you Austin we pled the blood now today we're a little bit smarter in theology and we applied the blood but in those days we pled it and Michael I went to every room of my house and I pled the blood of Jesus and by the time I got back to the living room those guys the coke the hash the hash pipes all the paraphernalia all the wine and beer in the refrigerator was gone. They took me serious. When I said, this is the house of the Lord and I won't have any more drugs, well, they took all my stuff and left. And that was one of the best cleanups, I guess, I was ever a part of. And from that day till now, I've never tasted alcohol. I've never done drugs. And that was 37 years ago. I experienced no withdrawals. No withdrawals. I didn't go to rehab. It was a miraculous thing. And from time to time, I'll meet different ones that can say, that's what God did for me. Others, obviously, need a need season, a time to be restored and time to be blessed. And we thank God for ministries like Hope House and Teen Challenge and those ministries that are here to help us grow. Didn't mean that I didn't have a lot of stuff that I had to learn and grow and go through. Can anybody relate? Given your uh, heart to Christ doesn't... Uh, immediately turn you into like going to a bakery doesn't make you a donut going to church doesn't necessarily make you a christian but it's what you do monday through saturday
that develops you and turns you into what God wants you to be. So I think about the word new. I think about new stuff. I think about God doing new things in our life. When I think about the word renew, I look at so many words that, that you can re-enlist, you can reevaluate, you can re-equip, you can reimburse. So many things that you can do as if you had never done them before. And this morning, just for a few minutes, I'd like to talk about if you're at uh, Jeremiah 18, say amen. If you didn't take the hassle of looking it up, then you're going to have to take my word for it that it really does say what I'm about to share. Are you ready? One of us are ready. Awesome. Are you ready? Okay, here, here we go. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again unto another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. God told Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. There's something that I want to teach you. There's something I want to leave with you. There's something I want to share with you. And Jeremiah made his way to the potter's house. And if you've ever experienced or watched a potter take a piece of clay and shape it and, and, and mold it, uh, Jerry, I think more about the lathe. I remember in seventh grade we had wood shop, and we took several pieces of wood and we glued them together and pressed them together and then let them dry, and then we put that chunk of wood on a on a on a lathe, and then we would take a tool and then we begin to carve and we begin to form that wood and shape that wood. Anybody do that wood shop? Anybody else besides me? Miss you did it? How cool is that? And you shaped it and you got graded for it, and then you varnished it, and then you took it home, and your parents acted like they loved it. It was the best thing since cornbread, and they set it up on the shelf. And uh, ironically, just a few days ago, going through some of my dad's stuff, I found one of the vessels that I had made, and uh, it didn't look as good as it did, I thought, when I made it, but, hey, I was young then, easily impressed. But when you think about the, the potter and you think about the piece of clay, uh, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, God is close. And God said, if you make your bed in hell, I'm there. If you go to the highest mountain and hide in a cave, I'm there. That while you were going through the stuff that you went through, God did not abandon you. God did not leave you. God was watching over you. Just in the case of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son ran off and did his thing, every day the father would sit on the porch looking down the driveway waiting for his son to come home. And on that day of days, when the son came home, the, potter ran, the father ran down that driveway and embraced that son. And that's exactly God's role in your life when you're where you're not supposed to be with him. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't fail you. But nine times out of ten, he lets you do what you want to do. And usually it causes a mess up or a hang up or something of that nature. Can anybody relate how I went to do my own thing, and like Elvis, it didn't turn out very well. It didn't go the way I thought it would go. It didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. I thought I, I had more going for myself. I had more on the ball. than. But I, when I look at my life, I look at there's a six-year window there 
that I, that I literally wasted other than God has used that six years as a testimony to help others that might be wasting their life. But when you, when you are in the hands of God, he watches you, he protects you, he'll allow you to do your own thing for a season, and then he'll start bringing things into your life that will turn you back to him. Aren't you glad that God used things in your life to turn you back to him? It may have been a prayer in a jail. It may have been something that happened in prison. It may have been something while you were thought you were OD'd or while you're in a place in your life where you were running from God. But God, God allowed something to happen to turn you back to him. And that's exactly what Jeremiah saw. Jeremiah saw a piece of clay that even though God was watching over it, it became marred. It became messed up. It did its own thing. And so, so the potter took that piece of clay that was all messed up, and he reshaped it into something beautiful, into something awesome, into something precious. And that's what God is doing in your life today. He's taking your mistakes, your failures, and your fears. He's molding you. He's shaping you. I think every service you attend, you get stronger. Every verse you read, you get stronger. Every prayer you pray, you get stronger. You're stronger today than you were yesterday, and you'll be even more stronger tomorrow if you keep on this pursuit that you're on. I'm looking for God. I'm looking for his purpose. I'm looking for his plan. I'm going to find him no matter what the cost. Do I have a friend in the house that would be, I'm there with you. In Isaiah 55, when it talks about coming to the water and drinking and all the things that God has for us, there's a passage of scripture there that many times we quote not realizing that things have changed since those words came from the mouth of Isaiah. Isaiah speaking for God saying, your ways are not my ways and your words are not my words. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways and my words than your words. And I appreciate that. I understand that. But when Jesus went to Calvary, he paid a price. And now the Bible says in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When you have the mind of Christ, you can think the thoughts of God. I got two amens, but that was a powerful truth. When you, when you have, when, you're, when your mind, Romans 12 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and be you not conformed to the thing this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, we didn't know the thoughts of God. We didn't know the ways of God. We didn't know the purpose and plan of God. That's why God put prophets in those nations to tell people what God's will was for their life. When you look in the Word, it says, then the Word of the Lord came unto me. That was usually through a prophet getting ready to address a generation. But aren't you glad today that you don't need a prophet or a fortune teller or a soothsayer or a Ouija board or a tarot card to tell you the purpose and plan of God for your life? You can find that purpose and plan of God for your life in His Word. Aren't you appreciative of that, that we don't have to wander around in darkness, that your mind can be renewed? Isaiah 40 and 18 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Look at some say new. A new thing. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. And that's God's purpose and plan for your life today, 
that whatever path you were on, whatever you were pursuing or whatever junk was in your life, that those things are the former things. Those things are passed away. And now God is doing a new thing in your life. Psalms 41, David said, I waited for the Lord. He heard my cry, brought me up out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and put a song, a new song in my mouth. Aren't you glad this morning you don't sing the song you used to sing? Well, what song did you used to sing? Gonna lay my head on a railroad track. Train is a coming asunder. Remember that? How about this one? You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. But now there is a new song that he has put in your mouth. Well, what is that new song? I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little prayer from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, it washed my sins above. Just a little talk with Jesus made it whole. Can anybody relate this morning? Just a little talk with Jesus. I said I wouldn't tell it to a living soul. I found salvation and he made me whole. But I found I couldn't hide the love that Jesus did impart. Because he makes me laugh and he makes me cry. He set my weary soul on fire the day God dipped his pen of love in my heart. Anybody remember that? You ask me why I'm happy, why I sometimes and always shout. God put something in my heart that I can shout about. I met him at an altar in a good old-fashioned way. I met him at a mourner's bench where I knelt down to pray. And since then, this is my story. This is my song. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood, serving my Savior all the day long. Do I have a friend in the house? And there's a day coming when I'm going to go zoom, 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 far up past the moon, past the Milky Way to a place called heaven to live with a man called Jesus forever and ever in the sweet by and by. Do we have these sweet by and by? View the land. I'm longing for you. I'm on a road now. I'm on a track. i got to get off because I'll stay in this red hymnal the rest of this message. But there are new things that God has for you. Lamentations 3 and 23, which should probably be your favorite verse. The mercies. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something you do deserve. Does that make sense? That God does not judge you and punish you for yesterday. But the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That means yesterday was a canceled check. Tomorrow's a promissory note. And today we're living on accounts receivable. He woke you up this morning, started you on your way, has blessed you going in and blessed you going out. Allowed you to be the head, not the tail, to loan and not barrel, to be a light in a dark place, to know and understand the purpose and plan that he has for you. That was a mouthful. And I conclude this thought this morning with Philippians 3 and 13. Paul said, brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended. That word apprehended means to have arrived, to be finished, to be complete. At this particular time in his life, he had written about two-thirds of the New Testament and certainly had been used by God. But here's the truth that he shares with us this morning. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. There is a place for you. There's a purpose. There's a plan for you. 
And Paul said, I've got to stop allowing the events of yesterday to defeat me, to discourage me, to disqualify me. And I've got to realize all of that's under the blood, that those things are passed away, that today is a brand new day in Jesus Christ. And he has a plan for me that does not involve all my mistakes, all my failures, that I can wash those things under the blood. You know what that means when it says wash under the blood? In the Old Testament, when you dropped the ball, you went and purchased a sacrifice. And depending upon your income, God established the sacrifice to the degree that if you weren't wealthy, you bought a turtle dove. If you were wealthy, you bought a heifer or a lamb. And then you took that turtle dove if you were poor, or that heifer or lamb if you were fairly well off, and you took that lamb to the high priest. The high priest never examined you. You weren't the issue. The high priest examined the sacrifice. And if the sacrifice was worthy, the high priest carried that sacrifice over to the altar. And Gene, he took a sharp instrument, and he cut the throat of that turtle dove or that lamb. And when the blood of that, ant, that innocent animal hit the altar of God, no matter what mistake you had made, was under the blood. It was forgiven and you're restored, justified, just as if I had never committed this sin. That's what happened in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world was nailed to a cross. His blood was shed. And when his blood hit the dirt of Calvary, every sin that you commit, I commit, my parents committed, my children were committed, Every sin that's ever been committed is under the blood, and we're forgiven this morning because of the blood of Jesus. And because of that blood, the, the veil was written to an Elio, what one man could do once a year on Yom Kippur. We can do any time of the day, any day of the week. We can go beyond the veil. We can stand in the presence of God. We can lift our hands. We can feel his presence. We can hear his voice. We can know his direction. Why what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How do we renew our mind? Well, the first thing we do is we get rid of our lousy friends. First thing we do, we separate ourselves from people that are speaking death and negativity and depression and woe and doom over us. We, we, we love those people at a distance. We can send them a Christmas card. That's, that's as close as they need to be in our life. But we surround ourselves with people that believe in us, believe that there's a purpose and plan in our life, believe that we have destiny. They see our value. They begin to encourage us. They begin to speak into us. We put things in our life like the Word of God, which is kind of a good thing to have in your life, to read, to tell you what you need to do. And then every once in a while, not just a Hail Mary, how many can relate? Oh, God, if you'll fix my transmission, I'll never do drugs again. <laughs> I don't know how many have ever prayed that prayer. I don't know the transmission. But I remember some Hail Marys I threw to God like it looked like I was going to jail. Hello? Anybody have a friend in the house? God, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll not let me... God, don't let me don't let me go to jail. I'll what whatever I'll do. All the promises we made, those were all Hail Marys, and I hope you followed up on the Hail Mary and you honored your prayer. 
but every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And if you don't have that relationship, you need to press towards that. Get out of your mind that you're not good enough. Get out of your mind that you've been too bad. Get out of your mind that you've messed up, that you can't do what God's called you to do. And get in your mind the thoughts he thinks towards you, the things he speaks over you, the things he says over you. And he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I've heard your cry. I'm going to bring to pass that which you're asking because you have the guts and the courage to ask. Do we have some cool music? Something by the Beatles, maybe? Let it be. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. That would be good. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, just for a moment. This morning, as it is very cold outside, it is very warm inside. I feel the touch of hands so kind and tender. They're leading me in paths that I must trod. I'll have no fear, for Jesus walks beside me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise. They won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. I'll have no fear, for Jesus walks beside me, for I'm sheltered safe within his arms. This morning, if you found yourself outside that covering, and this morning you feel like that you're not where you need to be with the Lord, and the enemy has tried either to dig a gulf or to build a wall to separate you from God. But this morning in the worship, this morning in the prayer, this morning in the message, you've sensed God's presence in your life and you realize He has not thrown you away. He has not discarded you. But this morning the potter desires to take your life and to put it on His will and to cut off all the crud, all the junk, all the muck, and make you a brand new vessel, a vessel that's worthy to sit at the master's table, a vessel that's worthy for the master to pick up and fill with his presence, a vessel that he would put to his lips, and he would drink and taste your goodness and taste your sweetness. If that's where you're at this morning, your pastor, I've wandered away from God. There's some obstacles, there's some dividers, there's some things trying to separate me. But this morning I realize who shall separate us from the love of Christ. That nothing I've done, nothing anybody else has done can separate me from God. And today I claim my rightful place. Today I step back into that place I'm supposed to be. Today I get back under that cloud that I'm supposed to be under. I lay my life at his feet and ask him to take me and make me a brand new person. If that's your desire this morning, just put your hand up, put it right back down. I just, just a closer walk. Yes, hands going up. All, yes, hands going up all of this house. You are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us and make us. Look in us and see the goodness that you planted in there. Look and see the goodness that you have the ability to use to reignite, to re, to to to, to renew see our hearts and see our spirits and know that we are tender to you. We repent of distractions and dead ends and detours. We repent of all the stuff that 
that maybe we have done to drop the ball, but this morning, like, like little children, we come and sit in your lap. We acknowledge you are our Lord and you are our Savior, and we love you in Jesus' name. And you all said, the Bible says when one.